0: It's a crime this information has been suppressed this long. Now let's get on with the podcast. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Steroids Podcast. So be on the lookout for my next book, Ultimate Guide to Roids 2 Don't Keel Over Dead. Ultimate Guide to Roids, my book that so many thousands of you have bought, is about how to do bodybuilding and what it takes to actually do bodybuilding it absolutely contains health information and but the focus of that book is on you know exactly what it takes what you need to do in order to go from nothing to going to if you want to all the way to an open heavyweight pro bodybuilder it gives that information what is necessary um you know what the secrets are about what bodybuilders do to get there um, anywhere in between you know being having nothing no idea about peds all the way up to becoming a pro bodybuilder or you know anywhere in between so it tells those and it definitely tells a lot of information on other stuff too bro science um you know which bro science is good which bro science doesn't work um, uh, dieting techniques and tricks drugs to help with that etc um, But the ultimate guide to ROIDs 2, Don't Kill Over Dead, is about maintaining your health and what you can do to mitigate risk factors when you are doing what it is necessary to do bodybuilding. Because we all know that abusing steroids, which is necessary in order to do bodybuilding, that's part of bodybuilding. Abusing anabolic steroids. uh, No, duh. It's not healthy to do that. No shit. That's not a secret. It may be something that we keep out of our heads and also steroid abuse is also another term that we try to keep out of our heads. It's not a flattering term, but um, the reality is the fact that, you know, that's what's required to do bodybuilding. So the book is, you know, if we're going to talk about, you know, what is really necessary to do bodybuilding, you know, in order to do bodybuilding, you have to uh, do things that are not healthy. And uh, the, the book is going to show you how to mitigate uh, those damages and, you know, what kind of dosages, um, you know, you can take, uh, like, as far as TRT, et cetera, um, things that you can do to, you know, even not hurt your health, you know. But, yes, as far as, as far as... Uh, you know, taking it to the extreme, really doing bodybuilding. Yes, you know, of course we know steroids hurt your health, you know, using them in that way. And the book is really going to be focusing on, you know, how to mitigate those risk factors and how long you can do things. So be looking forward to Ultimate Guide to Roids 2, Don't Kill Over Dead, coming soon. Uh, so let's get on to a question, okay? The first question is from Aaron. He asks, what do effect do stimulants eg caffeine DMAA so the ingredient in in jacked 3d dimethylamyline ephedrine etc have on the body and how bad for you is taking a pre before every workout on roids okay well I just want to tell you guys that you know um, being on steroids um, adding stimulants to that is really a pretty powerful um, risk factor you're stacking to anabolic steroids so um your heart's under strain on steroids because of multiple factors um, so one of them is just that you're big um, your heart was not made to accommodate a body your size like for example you know when I've been at my biggest I'm uh, about 250 255 245 pounds and when I was a natural um you know I was I was 145, 150, 155 pounds. You know, I made it up heavier um, as a natural before I started juicing, but, um, you know, that that's not my natural weight, you know? So since, you know, starting training and bodybuilding, I've, I've gained 100 pounds, and, and my heart, that's almost double my body weight. It's an increase of, like, 40%. You know, of course, my heart was not born to be able to do that. So just the fact that I'm big is a serious strain on my heart. Okay. Um, and then, you know, not to mention the fact that, um, you know, taking steroids, um, has a a plethora of, uh, cardiovascular effects. One being that they increase plaque uh, deposition in your heart and arteries. Um, and a lot of, you know, for most everyone, steroids also increase blood pressure. There are some outliers out there where, you know, they do not have blood pressure problems on steroids, Um, And then another one is that, you know, um, steroids also increase hematocrit levels. So they increase the thickness of your blood. So then, you know, thicker liquid has to be pushed harder than thinner liquid to get through. A lot of people don't keep their hematocrit in range when they're using steroids. They've got very high hematocrit. So they've got, uh, you know, considerably thicker blood than normal. So they're really stacking uh, risk factors on on their cardiovascular system. Um, And then, you know, you take stimulants, caffeine, DMAA ephedrine, uh, et cetera. you know, whatever stimulants people are taking when they, they work out to, you know, uh, go insane or whatever. Uh, so, <laughs> um, you don't need that, by the way, you don't need that. Um, you will be able to do bodybuilding fine. You will be able to do powerlifting fine without taking that stuff. Okay. Uh, so that, that's an extra that, that you're, you're, you're just doing that because you like it. You like the way it feels. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and with all this stuff too, like, like, don't go, don't get me wrong. I'm not some kind of saint. As you guys know, I've, I've definitely, you know, abused the shit out of anabolic steroids and my, and my body, you know? Uh, so, you know, I'm not a saint here. I'm I'm just telling you like it is. Okay. And, uh, and, you know, I, I have made the decision, you know, not, not to continue, uh, stimulant use, you know, uh, like I have, uh, You know, previously at times, you know, for me, my my preference as far as stimulants and working out was the combination of ephedrine and caffeine, you know, so about 25 milligrams of ephedrine and 200 milligrams of caffeine. When I've when I've used stimulants as a pre-workout to make me have, you know, like more training insane, something like that. Um it that was my my method of choice. I've used other things too. Um, you know, Jacked 3D, the original one is actually very very powerful. I've used that too. Um the thing is is that these things uh you know, they're dangerous. For one thing, just they're just dangerous, these supplements. Um but they're 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 more dangerous for the steroid users. So You are really stacking risk factors as a steroid user when you when you put these together. So the main thing is that people get heart palpitations, okay, Uh, when they're when they're taking these stimulants. When you are exercising, you are redlining your body, okay. You have a car, you have an engine. That that's you. You've you've hot rodded it, okay. You've hot rodded the engine, and um, by putting anabolic steroids in your body, okay. So so now you have a hot rodded car, you know, and you're really pushing that engine. You know, you are really. Uh, that engine was not meant for this much power but you know you've hot rotted it you've supercharged it and so you know you're putting a lot of of, of you know wear and tear on that thing on that motherfucker um on that on that on that shit and uh because of that well um that's a risk factor for you bro and uh now you go and you you add um nitrous oxide which is the uh which is the stimulants, okay? You add NOS to that supercharged engine and you go to the gym and put it under maximum strain, which is putting it on the racetrack at full blast. And, you know, that thing can blow up. And, and it does sometimes. Sometimes it blows up for people, okay? Um, so So to give you an example of what happens when you're working out, okay? If you start working out and you are at something like 120, over 80 blood pressure or 120 over 70 blood pressure. Okay. And you, uh, that's your resting blood pressure and you start working out. Okay. Once you are in the middle of a heavy set, or if you're doing cardio activity, for example, once you've got your heart rate up to about 160, 170, your blood pressure has now gone the systolic number has now gone above 200 okay so this is normal this is normal this is how it goes when you exercise your blood pressure in the middle of exercising uh raises astronomically okay so now just know that you know if you had good blood pressure to begin with on steroids okay you had the correct blood pressure now you add the workout and in the middle of that set of squats your blood pressure's somewhere between like 200 to 240 over somewhere between like uh 60 to 80 probably um you know if you started out with a blood pressure of about 120 over uh 70 to 80 that then that's where it's going during that set same thing um if you you know take your heart rate with doing cardio and and you're really pushing it and you take your heart rate up to like um 165 170 175 180 heart rate same things happening okay so uh that that's with perfect blood pressure so we know though that most steroid users don't have perfect blood pressure um and that's one of the main things that you can do um taking care of that as a steroid user to protect yourself because as we know most most bodybuilders and powerlifters die in their 50s and 60s from heart attacks and strokes because of cardiovascular damage you know that's one thing that blood work doesn't show you i know a lot of you guys don't get blood work but i know a lot of you guys don't look at cardiovascular damage that you're getting either and that comes from different um analysis in order to find out you know whether or not that's happening so anyways just, it's not a mystery. You know, you look at the, you know, when do the bodybuilders die? They die in their fifties and sixties. If they make it to their seventies, damn, that dude is old for a bodybuilder. Okay. So you don't want that dude. You don't want that. Um, so you need to do like everything in your power to make that not happen because I, I mean, that's just so, so shitty. Okay. So that's why I'm like kind of giving this a real, real in-depth look right now. Because, you know, that's a real, real thing that you're looking at. And if you don't take mitigating factors, it's likely what's going to happen to you. So you need to really be paying attention right now. Um, So anyways, you start exercising, you know, with the perfect blood pressure and it's going up to astronomical levels during your workout. Okay. So now you add steroids and, you know, if, if you're not on blood pressure medication while you're on steroids in order to get it right... Um, and there's nothing to be ashamed about about taking blood pressure medication. I take it um, or or in anyways. so so a lot of you guys have high blood pressure on steroids, okay? now you add in your stimulants, okay you add in your DMAA, your ephedrine, your caffeine, your adderall, whatever the fuck you take, okay your blood pressure just jumped up like another 20 points. So let's say for example, you know, you're a steroid user, and I'm going to go on the low side for a lot of guys. For For guys who are big and they're serious, they're definitely like a serious bodybuilder. You know, like a 140 over like 80 or 85 blood pressure, that's pretty good for him. If, if he's not taking uh, medication to pr- to lower his blood pressure, that would be considered like, oh, for a big bodybuilder, that's pretty good blood pressure. Uh, You know, definitely not for a normal person, it's not. But anyways, like a lot of bodybuilders though, just to let you guys know, a lot of bodybuilders have blood pressure more around between like 150 to 160, um, over somewhere between 80 and a hundred. Okay. That would be like something that you would see a lot for guys who are there. They take a lot of roids and they're really big dudes and, um, you know, you're looking at their blood pressure and you're thinking, you know, what is his blood pressure? It a lot. It's mostly within that range. Okay. And so now you add stimulants to that dude. So you just increased it. Um, you definitely increased it like at least 20 points. Um, you know, if you took a strong pre-workout, like three to 500 milligrams of caffeine, or you took like, um, you know, two to 300 milligrams of caffeine, you know, with, with plus DMAA or plus ephedrine or something like that, you're increasing like the top number, something like 20 points something like that and uh then you know the bottom number comes up too something like probably five to ten points from that and um so now you I mean so let's say you started at um you know 140 now you're up to 160 you know like so maybe you started at 140 over 80 85 now you're up to like one 160 over um uh, over 85 to 90 in the middle of your workout and now you take what happens during exercise where the blood pressure shoots up like another 80 to 100 points during the exercise and you you're talking like your blood pressure man it, it's it's like insane it, it like during your sets during your workouts you're getting blood pressure somewhere in like 250 240 to 300 over um you, you know over over 80 to 90 or something like that during your sets and it dude dude that's fucking dangerous dude you are like taking your cardiovascular system to the absolute limit, and um, like you know, people have problems. They they'll you they don't really talk about this, but people have problems like they have to go to the hospital and shit from using pre workouts. And so that's like naturals, you know. You combine this with being a steroid user, using clan with it and stuff too, using all this shit, dude. Um, being like. You know, other stuff increases like your heart rate and stuff, too. You know, taking a lot of steroids increases your heart rate. Taking Trenbolone increases your heart rate. Dude, when you stack this stuff and you're taking heavy stimulants, too. Pff, oh, my God, dude. Oh, my God. The, the risk you're putting yourself under. You, you may think it's normal because you see everyone else doing it or you've been doing it for a long time. and You haven't had any problems. But, dude, it's not worth it what you're doing. Like stick with your steroids, man. Because, uh, your, your steroids are definitely enough. Like you are enhanced and and you can do bodybuilding with those steroids. You do not need those stimulants. Um, but those stimulants are exposing you to an enormous amount of risk. Okay. Enormous risk. Um, so that, that, that's my thoughts, you know, is you shouldn't have any stimulants before you work out. If you must, if you must have like a, a small black coffee or something or, or coffee with milk or something like, okay, whatever, but I'm not doing that dude, dude. I don't. Blood pressure is serious shit. Okay, and, and so like that's just not something to mess around with for for a bodybuilder. Um, is not something to mess around with. And then the fact that like you you have a stress on your heart doing bodybuilding, um, and then you're doing all this other shit too to just jack it through the roof. Then you're making your adrenaline go nuts with you know like hardcore music too, which that also increases your blood pressure. Make you know shooting more adrenaline. It's like you are redlining your engine so, so hard. And there's only so long you can redline the the engine when it's supercharged and you're opening it up full force on the racetrack. Okay. There's only so long you can do that before it blows up. It will blow up. Um, it's you're burning the candle. You're burning the candle. So that's what I think about it. That's why I think about it. And, and, you know, uh, people were asking me, you you know, saying like, okay, does that mean I can never have another cup of coffee again? No, it, do- it doesn't mean that, you know, and and another thing that people were talking about is uh, marijuana, because, you know, smoking marijuana, it increases your heart rate. If you if you take uh, your your heart rate before, like, like right before you smoke marijuana and then smoke marijuana and then take it again right after you smoke marijuana, the heart rate's faster. OK, so it increases heart rate. So people were asking about that, too. I don't think that you should take anything, um, you know, before your workout that is stressing no chemicals that are stressing your cardiovascular system, okay? You don't need that, by the way, either. You're on steroids. Um, but that, that's my opinion, is, is that you should not be trying to boost or press or um, ignite the, the cardiovascular system during your workout. That that is That is no good for a steroid user. For a natural, I think they can get away with it. For a steroid user, dangerous, man, dangerous. All right, next question this is a, a story from Steven. Okay. He just sent me, he sent this into me and it has to do, it has to do with the, uh, with the last thing we we're talking about. So, you know, just to give you an example. <clears throat> okay. So Steven has a story to tell. This honestly just happened to me a little over a year ago. Same thing, but I was taking clenbuterol and yohimbine in the mornings and a pre workout in the afternoon. It started in the gym mid workout. All of a sudden I got extremely exhausted and started breathing hella heavy, and had to sit just to catch my breath. I almost passed out, and ended up just going home after trying to relax. But just laying down, it was getting worse. I couldn't feel my heart. I could feel my heart pounding in my chest. Then like three to four rapid beats. Then back to pounding in my chest. Felt like I was being punched in my heart. I ended up going to the emergency room later that night, there were about four to five nurses in the room with me, and all of them said they've never seen anyone with heart palpitations like that. I ended up getting several IVs, and when the main doctor came into the room, he said if I didn't show up, I most likely wouldn't have survived the night. They had to pump a sedative into me and three other drugs, including fentanyl, and they had to shock my heart with electricity to reset it. They gave me a ton of sedatives through the IV, and they still didn't work. I stood awake through the whole thing. They also said I was the first person to not be affected by what they are putting in the IV. I was on testosterone and trembolone and Anthate, as well as the Climbuterol and Yohimbine. And before they released me, they were telling each other how crazy it was that none of those drugs were working on me. And I was able to walk out of there like nothing happened to me. All right, man. His story is not uncommon. So what I'm saying is, is that, you know, don't think that they're like an outlier or they're unlucky or stuff like that. It's the same thing with like my leg too. You know, like how I got a massive infection in my leg and it turned necrotic and so then the tissue inside my leg died like i'm not the only person that that's happened to okay so when you hear these things happen like shitty things happening with bodybuilders or powerlifters and you go like oh oh they were unlucky they're an outlier that's not something that normally happens uh that's not actually correct i, I got news for you that's not actually correct. These things are pretty common. If you do bodybuilding long enough, you get fucked up. That's it. If you do bodybuilding long enough, you do, you get fucked up. You 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 have to you have to, you, dude. It's serious business. Like you got to be like fucking militant when you're talking bodybuilding. And as far as you want to be healthy or something like that, and be a bodybuilder, then you have to be militant about what you're doing, and you have to make sacrifices. You cannot act like a normal person and expect to be healthy acting like a normal person. So, like, it's pick your poison and you picked your poison, okay? You picked steroids and obviously steroid abuse is not healthy. And so if you start adding other poisons, like the other poisons that the normal people are eating, so shit like a lot of junk food, unhealthy food, okay? Recreational drugs, um, stimulants, um, a lot of alcohol. You're going to fuck yourself up. Whereas other people will be able to recover from that or or they will be able to like have it and like affect their health. But like, you know, not too badly. Smoking would be another one. Smoking uh, in addition uh, to those other things that I said, like if you're on steroids though, oh, oh my God, it's so much worse for you. It's so much worse for you than it is for them. Okay. So like that, that's another thing is, you know. Steroid users are so prideful and, and have so much ego. You know, it's like, oh, I'm healthier than everyone else. I'm on steroids, but I'm, I'm healthier than them. You know, like I exercise or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Um, you know what? If you're doing this other shit, you're, you're doing these other habits like they're doing. Um, you are so much less healthy than them. You are so much less healthy than them. It, it's yeah, it, it, totally out of touch with reality. All right, next question. Nat asks, "Supposed to be on five hundred milligrams Sustanon at the moment, and wasn't really feeling that much different. Am I fucking natty?" Then this guy sent me his blood work. Okay, Nat did. It's it it the the testosterone on the test was five hundred thirty eight nanograms per deciliter, and he had normal luteinizing hormone and follicle stimulating LH and FSH levels. So. Anyways, his gear's bunk. It's vegetable oil that he's injecting himself with. So that's how you know, really, uh, you know, whether or not your testosterone's real is you check out the the nanograms per deciliter uh, total testosterone on your blood test. So if you're taking 500 milligrams, it should definitely be above 3000 nanograms per deciliter. Okay. That's about what that you it can go up somewhere between like 3000 nanograms to 5,500 nanograms would be normal anywhere in there. Cause people metabolize it at different rates and get different blood levels from the same uh, milligrams injected It'd be somewhere around there. But then the other thing is that, you know, if somebody still has high, LH and FSH, luteinizing hormone, follicle stimulating hormone, that means that their testicles aren't shut down, okay? Their testicles are still pumping out fully. Um, So if they have zero, which one shot of Trenbolone or one shot of DECA makes those go to zero, um, or if they have it very, very low, you know, below the normal range or near zero, then that means that they're on legitimate steroids because their natural system, their testicles are shut down, okay? So now you guys know um you know a lot of some people get uh afraid actually they'll they'll send me messages like oh my god here's my blood work my lh on cycle my lh and my fsh is low and i'm kind of laughing cuz i'm like uh, yeah, like you know that that's that's exactly what steroids do. You know, steroids make your LH and FSH go down. That's that's uh your natural system going off. And I don't mean that I'm laughing at them. I it's I'm not laughing at them. There's definitely no such thing as a stupid question with me at all. And also, there's no such thing as judgment with me. So, you know, like when you guys, because a lot of you guys call me on the phone, you do the phone call consultation with me one hour, um, and uh, y- you know, you talk to me about what you're doing uh, or how to correct, you know, your health issues, you know, or or planning your cycles. And you don't have to, you know, do not do not feel awkward because I've talked badly about something in the podcast or I've said, you know, some something, you know, I don't want I don't think you should use Trenbolone. You know, if I've said something like that or like I'm not into trend anymore or something like that or, or like stimulants are bad or like you shouldn't smoke. Don't be shy to me when you're on the phone and think that. I, um, am going to judge you or like, I give a fuck, you know, like you're going to do what you're going to do. And I'm just here to help you. Okay. So like, I'm definitely not here to be like, Oh, you bastard, you've got to do things my way, you you know, (laughs) whatever, you know, whatever you're doing to yourself, just tell me your risk factors and I'm going to help you to be in the best position possible, you know, with the risk factors that you want to put yourself through. Okay. Like, like for real. It's this is not about me and um and and making it my, making your use be my way of use. It's it's about you learning and then us making a comprehensive plan for you how to protect you the best. Okay. it, it so so yeah. I just wanted to throw that out there because. 'Cause a lot a lot of guys who have called me have been a little bit shy. <laughs> and it's taken a little bit of time for them to open up sometimes and and, you know, tell me exactly what they're doing. But I want you guys to know that it's it's not like that. Tell me tell me exactly what you're doing and I'm not going to think any less of you. And and it's you know, it's the same thing with the doctor, you know. Like when you go to the doctor, do you like to go to the doctor that you know, get sidetracked when you're trying to tell him shit. You're trying to tell him your problems or what's wrong with you or whatever, or discuss something with him, and he gets sidetracked, and he's like, "No, no, no. You just need to get off the fucking testosterone. You just need to get off the steroids." Do you like that when he treats you like that? No, I don't like that either. I don't like that either. Okay, I want him to be like trying to reduce my harm, or or like y- you know trying to help me, trying to help me reduce the harm. Okay, so that's the same way that I act when I'm with you guys. Yet you're going to do what you're going to do, and I'm here to help you do it in the least harmful way possible, okay? Reduce the harm, harm reduction. All right, uh, next question, Dalton asks, how much cardio do you recommend? Does it differ for a bulk versus a cut? Also say how much caffeine is too much? I tend to keep my daily intake around two, 300 milligrams. I also take a lot of other supplements for heart and liver health. I just got finished my second blast and got my blood work done before I hopped off and liver enzymes and cholesterol were very high, as well as a few indicators pointing to inflammation of my heart. My blood pressure is on the high side of the normal range, averaging about 140 over 80. All right, let's talk about this. So he, he's in a pretty normal situation here for a steroid user. Um, you know, that might not sound very pretty. Uh, but, um, you know, how much cardio do I recommend? 60 minutes per day. You know, it doesn't have to be in the gym, but just 60 minutes a day of cardiovascular activity. Some of it can be in the gym. Some of it can be walking around outside, you know, whatever, you know, somewhere between like 110 to 140 beats per minute heart rate and maintaining that for 60 minutes per day. You should be doing that, man. Especially if you like to exercise a lot, especially if you're a steroid user and and you want to, you want to be, um, you know, taking good care of your health. You know, you've got a responsibility to do that. It's like brushing your teeth. Okay. It's like brushing your teeth. Um, if, if you're, if you're a steroid user, you have to do stuff that is, is uncomfortable in order to mitigate your risks. You can't just be like a normal person and and be healthy. You got to do a bunch of above and beyond shit if you want to be healthy. All right. And, um, so, you know, he asked how much caffeine is too much. He tends to keep his daily intake around two to 300. This is what I have to say with any kind of drugs, you know, that are like recreational drugs, which, you know, caffeine is a recreational drug. People use it to feel good. Um, the magic goes away when you use it every day. Okay. It's the same thing with, with, uh, with, uh, smoking a J you know, if you smoke a J every day, it's a different experience than if you smoke a J once a week, or if you smoke a J once every two weeks or once a month. Okay. Uh, where those factors are like, it's, it's like, damn, you just went to another universe, for example. Um, you know, as far as, uh, doing that every day, um, you know, you don't really get that effect anymore. So, you know, there's quite a bit of the magic of using um, drugs, using recreational substances, goes away if you use them every day. So that's my rec. That's my recommendation on caffeine: is not to use it every day. Um, it, it really, you know, is powerful in low doses. Even you know, something if you have no tolerance, something like eighty milligrams, like like a, a small red bull or something like that damn that that shit pumps you up okay so i don't think you need to use it every day if you're gonna use it every day and you're a bodybuilder you know i wouldn't use over 200 milligrams per day um you, you know as, as far like the more you use and the more you go the more you stress your adrenal system the more tired you are and the more a slave to the caffeine you become okay i more a slave to that drug okay You don't want to be like that, man. You don't want to be like that. You're going to have very high, very good energy without uh, caffeine if you will just get rid of the tolerance. If you'll just get rid of the addiction, okay. And then if you need little bits of caffeine every once in a while, you know, um, you you know, you can take 200 milligrams or something and and be healthy. But but don't be, you know, do not be, uh, you know, taking all these recreational drugs consistently and thinking that you're not hurting yourself. Um, you know, we talked about already why, you know, stimulants are bad, you know, especially for a bodybuilder. Okay. They're not that that bad for, for a normal person, but for a bodybuilder that they're, they're fucking you up. Okay. They're fucking up your heart and arteries. Um, and, uh, so th- another thing is that he said he, he had some markers from his blood work, you know, showing inflammation in his heart. Well, that was probably C-reactive protein. So he, I mean, he's probably using underground lab gear with synthetic oils, which is irritating his veins, um, causing that inflammation. So the, um, you, you, know, synthetic oils, stuff like ethyl oleate causes that, um, using, uh, stuff, natural oils, cotton seed oil, grapeseed oil, um, et cetera, um, those kinds of oils taking gear that has that, you know, usually doesn't cause those inflammation markers to rise. Uh, turmeric is a good anti-inflammation supplement you can take uh, make sure it has standardized curcuminoids above 90 percent um and then uh you know he said his his liver enzymes were up and and his cholesterol was high as well You, you know of course if you if you take um you know one thing is that you know the liver enzymes can go up just just from working out you're making a lot of waste but and then the cholesterol you know If you're taking anything other than, like, testosterone and growth hormone, pretty much your cholesterol goes weird, okay? Um, Especially, like, if you're taking any kind of DHT derivatives, uh, Winstrol, Anivar, um, Masteron, Premobolin, stuff like this, that really messes up your cholesterol levels bad. So, um, you know, cholesterol, if it's off, especially if LDL cholesterol, bad cholesterol is high, that's the main one you need to worry about. If it's really high and it's like that for the majority of your life, then, yeah, you're you're building up cholesterol in your arteries and it will um, cause plaque in your arteries and cause you major problems down the road. If you're, you know, maintaining that for most of your life for years, that's what happens. Um, so, so, I, I mean, he, <laughs> he's got to make some choices. All right. The next question is from Anonymous. Hey, Dan, question for the podcast. I've been on and off natural lifting for about 10 years, and thinking about starting a cycle. I want to do testosterone and anthate or cipionate and equipoise, with a little anavar sprinkled in for my first cycle. Any advice on dosing, injection frequency, or even substituting compounds like winstrol instead of Anivar? Love the podcast. Keep up the great work. Yeah, I think you picked some good ones for your first cycle. You know, doing testosterone or or testosterone, uh like testosterone and anavar, or you know, testosterone and equipoise. Usually, like two things would be what I'd. Uh, if it was me, I would do for my first cycle um something like five hundred test, five hundred equipoise or something like um two fifty to five hundred test with fifty milligrams of anivar per day or instead of that maybe twenty five milligrams anavar, uh thirty milligrams winstrol combo, something like that, you know uh that that's what that's what I would do if I was going back and doing my first cycle again. Uh, because it's easy to control and it's, it's easy to know, you know, where different effects are coming from. Um, you know, with testing, with, uh, you asked, you know, dosage dosing and, and injection frequency, um, for testosterone and enanthate, it's the same for enanthate and cipionate. If you take it, um, once a week, it's sufficient, but the last like two days it's going down like the blood levels. Um, cause, uh, those shots, peak in 24 hours and they maintain elevation for about uh like three to five days they maintain a pretty stable high level and then they kind of start dropping off after that so uh if you if you uh, do it twice per week though in anthate or sipionate then that totally solves that and you know so you don't need to if you take more shots of those than twice per week you're not really going to get more stable blood levels um you know that's all you need to do in order to twice a week in order to get stable blood levels with either of those esters. And then with equipoise, it's pretty much the same, but, uh, you know, it's es, equipoise is longer. It is, is it isn't longer ester, And, uh, you can do like one week once per week with that and and not have a problem, not really have a drop off with that. So equipoise a little longer. Yeah. But, um, you know, twice per week. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you can mix, testosterone and equipoise in the same syringe. So you don't have to take multiple shots because you're taking multiple compounds. You can, uh, just, you know, draw testosterone, draw equipoise. And then, uh, you know, they're in the same, uh, syringe and it's just one injection. That would be standard use, uh, with doing that. Uh, you know, one thing though, is that, you know, using the same needle for drawing and then using that, that same needle for doing the injection, performing the injection, that hurts like a bitch. Because the tip of that little needle it gets dulled when it, when it goes through the rubber stopper in the top of the vial. And uh, then once it's dull, if that, like, goes through your skin, it hurts like hell. So, you know, using one needle to go through the rubber stopper and draw the steroids into the vial. And then using a different needle, you know, changing, um, changing the needle on the, on the uh, syringe... Uh, and using a fresh one to perform the injection that, you know, has never touched anything. First thing it ever touches is your skin. Okay, Power asks, Hey Dan, I have a question about Winstrol and its bad rap. I tried it and all my joint pain went away, so I don't get why people claim the opposite. Is it dangerous for strength athletes in any way, shape, or form? Maybe it makes you so strong so quickly you can hurt yourself from exerting too much force. Yeah, Winstrol increases strength really good. So I'm actually the same as Power. I... I get zero joint pain. Um, uh, you know, he said his joint pain went away uh, when he started taking Winstrol, and he felt amazing and, and had great strength. You know, I would be more on the side with him, actually. Um, so Winstrol actually increases, you know, one thing that's funny is Winstrol increases uh, collagen synthesis or, you know, like tendon growth, ligament growth, more than almost any other steroid known. So, but, you know, the hypothesis is that the tendons um that are uh built the the uh addition to the tendon uh on windstraw is uh is not as high quality as uh <laughs> like testosterone grown tendon okay so that's why people say you, you know that you know windstraw could cause uh injuries with the with the with the tendons, or tearing a tendon, or something, and also you know, winstrol's diuretic, and so it it takes it takes uh, fluid out of the joints, it takes fluid out of the tendons. That's another thing that it does. Um, so some people do get joint pain from winstrol, and it seems to be an inflammation reaction to the winstrol because it's it's very genetic, is what I've noticed. Because I've you know talked to a huge sample size of people. Um, and, and people calling me, uh, and, you know, talking to them about their experiences too. And it seems to be about 50, 50, 50% of the people have zero joint pain, um, on Winstraw and other, uh, the other 50% are having some kind of genetic, um, uh, response to it where uh, their genetics are sensitive to some kind of inflammatory, um, action or some kind of, uh, dehydrating to a more severe, um, more severe level, uh, action of windstraw, um, inside their joints. And so it gives them that pain, you know, I would really, uh, you, you know, it, de- is it dangerous for strength athletes? Uh, not, no, it's not. If you, if you, uh, are one of the people that do not respond in a negative way to it. Um, you know, I would, I would do my heaviest lifting and I know many strength athletes who would do their heaviest lifting on windstraw. Absolutely. But then there are other guys who say, you know, Uh, that, that would, that would tear, tear my body apart for sure. And, and I don't not trust those guys. I believe that they're saying, they're saying, uh, what, what is real for them. And, and, you know, from what I've seen, the genetic response is split straight down the middle 50, 50. So that, that's the way it is, uh, with Winstraw. You got to try it and see, you know, if it has a joint problem for you or if it doesn't, but it definitely is not a steroid that causes joint problems for everyone. Like is claimed on the internet. That is bullshit. Uh, and is not not true. Okay, so about half of people do not have any joint pain whatsoever from taking one Next question, Aaron asks, "Yep, I hope I don't have a serious consequence from taking hormones. I try to mitigate it, but like right now, I've been dealing with triple digit liver enzymes. So the liver enzymes are supposed to be like below about like forty a- AST ALT, and so he's saying that." triple digit, So he's talking like over a hundred or over 150 each, you know? Um, and he says, I don't even drink or take orals been worried about it. I've been taking a ton of N-acetyl cysteine, which is a very effective, um, supplement for reducing liver enzymes and it still won't come down. Every blood test I get, it keeps getting higher. Hope I didn't cause liver problems for myself. I'm just on testing Nandrolone. You wouldn't think it caused any issues. All right. So, you you know, if you take a blood test within 24 hours of a workout, you just created a bunch of waste products and lactic acid and shit, and your liver has to neutralize that. So that's going to cause, uh, you to have higher liver enzymes if you've worked out. So if you want to get like the most accurate test on your liver, the first thing you should do is wait 24 hours after a workout to give the blood for the test. Um, and then the next thing you're taking N-acetylcysteine, which reloads the liver with its antitoxin glutathione, which is good. So you're doing that already. Um, but you know, actually, you know, all steroids are are processed by the liver. It doesn't matter whether it's an oral or not. Orals are definitely more toxic, and they contain a certain chemical. Um, uh, part of the chemical is a certain, specifically toxic um, thing called a 17 alpha alkylation, that um, causes toxicity to the liver. But All steroids are processed in the liver and also, you know, the alcohol that is in the steroids, you know, the benzyl alcohol, et cetera, is also processed in the liver. So if you're taking huge amounts of steroids, you're taking, you know, very large amounts of injectables that alone can elevate your liver enzymes. Okay. So that, that can just from having a lot of steroids in your body, putting a lot of benzyl alcohol in your body. Okay. You don't have to only be taking orals uh, in order to, um, you know, have uh, have uh, liver stress from taking steroids. And then in addition to that, um, Trenbolone also causes um, liver stress. I see almost everyone that I sees blood work who is using Trenbolone um, has some elevated um, liver enzyme levels. Uh, it's, a, it's a quality of Trenbolone. OK, and I. I Be very careful and remember that I said almost everyone, not everyone, okay? There's outliers to every single one of these side effects from steroids. Not one side effect from steroids is 100% in every person throughout the board, okay? So it's very individual. And, you know, whether or not you experience side effects and how many you experience is a major component in how far and how successful you can be in bodybuilding and how how long you can do it. Okay, so... Uh, here's another one is that this guy's big. I, 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 I know who this is and, um, he's big and he's strong. And when you have so much muscle mass that is way beyond what your little liver that you were born with, of course, your liver was not built to uh, be processing, uh, a hundred pounds of extra muscle mass as waste. Okay. Uh, you know, that's a lot of waste. So if you have really high muscle mass, that alone will cause liver stress, um, and so in this situation, the, the only thing, you know, if he's having an acute problem like this, where it's going up every single test, it's already really high. He's already taking stuff, you know, no orals, no alcohol. And he's, uh he's even taking, you know, a supplement that is an effective liver supplement for, you know, taking stress off the liver and he's still having problems. Well, the only options really that he's left with is decreasing uh, frequency, decreasing volume. And, and that means, uh you know, how often he's going to the gym. Or how much work he's doing at the gym in order to create less waste products from those huge muscles, um, or uh, the the other one is is to lose size, is to come down in size because he's he's gone past, you know, what his liver is okay with doing. If you're having problems like that and your liver enzymes are continually going up, you're already in the triple digits. You know, you got to think about something like that. Or you need to get your liver uh, imaged with ultrasound, um, set up um, an abdominal ultrasound to check out your liver and see if, if there's uh, problems going on there. Uh, because uh, you don't want to move, you, you know, having some light liver stress um, can be transient, but you don't want to move into a, something where you're having chronic uh, liver problems with the with the steroids. So, uh, y- yeah, you got to do something about that. Got to do something about that. Do not leave it. Okay, next question Kevin asks, I got a question for the pod. Could you get into hair loss? I got finasteride prescribed by my doctor. I'm taking 1.25 milligrams each day. Uh, How does finasteride affect how gear works? What dosage and compounds are best to avoid hair loss while using finasteride? Love the information you're putting out and recommend everybody to buy your book, Ultimate Guide to Roids. Best regards, Kev. Yeah, Okay. So so finasteride the way it works is it's a 5 alpha reductase enzyme inhibitor okay so it works similar to exemestane with estrogen and the aromatase enzyme exemestane seeks out the aromatase enzyme the enzyme in your body that transforms testosterone to ex- estrogen and it neutralizes it destroys it and then your body has to regenerate more aromatase enzyme before estrogen can be produced so finasteride does the same thing with the five alpha reductase enzyme and the five alpha reductase enzyme is responsible for converting testosterone into dihydrotestosterone which is the um dihydrotestosterone is the is the uh hormone that is potent in uh sex responsive tissues so it's what makes you be able to get an erection it's what makes your your brain have masculine thinking masculinized brain um it's what makes your body hair grow um, it's what causes hair loss. Um, it's what gives a- acne, increased sweating, uh, et cetera. Okay, that's dihydrotestosterone. So, when you inhibit the 5 alpha reductase enzyme with phenasteride, um, then that decreases the amount of um, DHT, dihydrotestosterone, that is produced when you're using testosterone. However, This will have no effect on other steroids if you're using them that are like stuff like DHT derivatives, for example, okay? Because, you know, if the steroid does not have the uh, innate ability to interact with the 5-alpha reductase enzyme, um, or it's already, you know, in a state that it's already dihydrotestosterone, well, then, you know, reducing the 5-alpha reductase enzyme will have no effect on it. So, for example, DHT-based steroids, primabolin um, Anovar, Winstrol, um, Mastron. Okay. These are DHT steroids. They're already DHT. They come from DHT. So there's nothing for the five alpha reductase enzyme to do with them. So when they go in your body, you could have a shitload of five alpha reductase enzyme and it would make no difference. And those steroids will go right to your hair loss receptors. And you know, cause problems there, and the finasteride has no ability to affect them since 5-alpha reductase cannot interact with those steroids. So, you know, you know like, Trenbolone is another one, you know, 5-alpha reductase has no no impact on Trenbolone. So, um, as far as, you know, what is your finasteride affecting? Well, it's affecting hair loss caused by testosterone, but is it cause, affecting uh, hair loss caused by your other gear? No. Uh, so... One, one thing you can do is, is you should try an anti-androgen, an androgen receptor blocker shampoo, shampoo. so stuff like minoxidil that gets in your hair, in your scalp, you know, topically gets in there, can block the androgen receptor. Then you're going to have a, you know, more of a, a you're at least going to have some hope of, uh, you know, doing something in, in your head, in your hair follicles, blocking the steroids there um, when, when these uh, other steroids, Anadrol... Primabolin, Mastron, Masteron, Proviron, et etc., that you have hair loss problems with, um, you know, the using a, a shampoo, anti androgen receptor, uh, androgen receptor blocker uh, shampoo, uh, something like minoxidil is going to be uh, actually have an effect, whereas finasteride will have no effect with that type of gear. All right, next question from Matthew, <clears throat> a podcast question: On 400 milligrams test per week, just started metformin five days per go- ago. Um, I take 1,000 milligrams with morning meal and 1,000 milligrams with an evening meal. Since starting, I've been looking extremely bloated and maybe even a little softer watery in the midsection despite no diet changes. This bloat's not normal for me. Does this bloat go away? It's discouraging to keep using metformin with the belly bloat. Uh, Also using 50 to 70 micrograms T3 per day. Is there any correlation between these two medicines you take at different times? Okay. Um, So... The first 10 to 14 days that you go on metformin, you're going to have major gastrointestinal upset, okay? And this is because the gut flora, the bacteria in your gut is changing because of the metformin. And um, this is uh, not uh, very comfortable, okay? And it makes it so that you can't absorb your food, and so the food creates a ton of gas and it goes through you unabsorbed and you lose a lot of body fat because even though you're eating, you're absorbing like no calories from it. And so you lose a tonny bo- ton of body fat and you know what you're experiencing right now is totally normal. The first 10 to day, 14 days on metformin and then after that you normalize the bloating and the gas goes away. And um, you know then you have Metformin continues to reduce the fat uh, absorption from your meals by 30%, uh, increase the insulin sensitivity in the muscle tissue, but not the fat. And it really acts like a filter, you know, for when you cheat to block fat acquisition when you're cheating. That's probably, you know, metformin used without growth hormone at the same time, it acting as like a a blocker for fat gain is, is its most powerful quality in that way. Uh, When you use it with growth hormone, it helps to make you bigger. But when you use it solo, it's mostly mostly used as a fat gain blocker. Um, So, yeah, just give it a little bit more time, you know. You just started the metformin five days ago, you said. So you're right in the middle of it right now, the adjustment period. And, uh, yeah, you just need to wait about another five days. Things are going to get better for you, and you're going to be happy with the results. going to be happy with the fat loss. Okay, next question is from John. Does the death of Boston Lloyd change your philosophy that steroids don't won't kill you acutely? I know Boston was kind of an outlier because his dosages were so absurd and still he juiced for about 15 years. So it was still a cumulative effect, but he definitely showed that if your abuse is severe enough, death can happen pretty fucking quick. Again, something anyone with common sense would know. So I've always thought that, you know, cumulative use of steroids and PEDs um, is very harmful uh, cumulative abuse over long periods of time. And that a bodybuilder's career is not an indefinite thing. A body's career, bodybuilder's career is, is, it's like a pro athlete. Okay. You can do it for about eight to 15 years. And if you do it from, for longer than that, um, you know, you're likely going to be seriously hurt. Um, it's the same thing with pro athletes, you know, you know, it's, it, there's sometimes there's outliers, guys, they, they can go, you know, you know, maybe 10, 20 years, you know, instead of 8 to 15 years, and they can do it. They can be fine. But most guys, you know, on average need to retire somewhere between 8 to 15 years or else they'll end up, you know, with major injuries. Um, you know, and it's the same thing when you are, you know, treating yourself like a pro athlete using uh, performance-enhancing drugs. Um, if you're going to do more than true TRT and you're going to do that for more than 8 to 15 years, you are, you are risking – major health problems down the road. Okay. Um, and, and it's a large risk. It's a probability, almost a certainty. Okay. That that's going to happen. So, uh, no, it doesn't, you know, Boston Lloyd doesn't change, you know, what I, th- I think at all. I think that, um, it's, it's pretty much the kind of thing that I've always thought is, and, um, always said will happen is that, you know, 15 years of extreme drug abuse, uh, it doesn't really matter what the drug is, you know, most drugs if you extreme if you abuse the fuck out of them for you know 10 to 20 years um you you're going to have major health problems that's just the way it is and and a lot of people die you, you know uh from doing that you know um and i'm talking recreational drugs i'm talking you know whatever you know it doesn't matter what kind of drug so i'm including steroids with that too if you seriously seriously abuse drugs and you do that for one or two decades chances are you're going to get fucked up. Uh, so, so, you know, that would be something that happened there. Uh, very uh, unfortunate, you know, at 29 years old, Oh man, that is way too young to die, man. That's way too young to go. You got a lot of stuff you still got to do in your life. So, you know, for, for you guys, you know, it, it's a, it's a wake up call, you know, for a lot of guys, you know, the, these kind of things that it's not like, Oh, these things never happen or they're outliers again. Like I've had problems, you know, other guys have had problems, you know, people die. You hear about bodybuilders dying all the time. Uh, you know, you have to be seriously careful. And you, like I said before, you have to be militant about what you're doing. So as far as stuff, like, you know, we're talking about cardio earlier and people like, fuck cardio. I don't want to do cardio. Well, fucking get off steroids, dude, (laughs) like, like you, (laughs) you know, pick your poison, it, you know, steroids are not a shortcut. And these people that ask, act like, oh, steroids is so glamorous. You know, steroids is a pain in the ass. Steroids is pretty freaking like, you know, it makes a huge, it's a huge commitment to your life. So it's definitely not like this glamorous thing where, uh, like, oh, now you're ahead of everyone and you're this big, tough guy. And you know, you look better than everyone. Cause you know, the secrets and you can party just as hard as them. And you're, you're not going to get hurt. You're not hurting your health. Pfft, yeah, right. The, uh, man, people are not realistic about this stuff, you know. Put it out of your head. A lot of people on social media are trying to be like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, you can take your steroids and then eat your cake too. And you can live this party lifestyle and be like me and get all this pussy. Okay, the mo- most thing that you get on steroids, you know, as far as like attention is from dudes, Okay. You get a lot more attention from dudes and girls, okay? There's not very many girls who really give a fuck about your muscle mass. They care about you being lean, and that's pretty much it, okay? So when you're getting all big, you know, you're gonna get a lot of attention from guys. If that's what you're looking for, then you're gonna get like everything you want. Like the bigger you get, um, but yeah. Anyways, just do this shit for yourself, and uh, you know, save the ego. No one gives a fuck about your muscles. I'm serious, dude, when it comes to bodybuilding, it's, it's, it's you, like, do it for you, if you, if you want to be big, you want to be strong, you want to do bodybuilding, you want to, like, get the best body, you know, do it for you, but if you're doing it, like, with goals of, like, oh, I'm doing this, you know, so that I'm going to get this much pussy, or, or I'm doing it this, uh, you know, so these people are going to, this many people are going to admire me, or people are going to think I'm so cool or people are going to think, you know, I'm I'm so big and bad. I got news for you. Nobody gives a fuck. And, and like, you know, at, at the gym, like, it, you know, when, when you're thinking like, oh, you know, I'm so big. I look like this, this animal. I look like this fucking monster. Like, you know, people might look at you for like, you know, a few seconds and be like, what the fuck? You, you know, like looking at your body and being like, like, that is insane or something like that. But other than that, they don't care. You know they they after that two seconds or whatever when you see them looking and, and you know it strokes your ego or whatever that they, they only gave they only cared just just to give it a glance but in the grand scheme of their life they, they don't give a fuck uh, you know they're they're not they're not that impressed they're, they're, it's just like something that they notice so yeah doing steroids and and doing bodybuilding and thinking like oh like this is gonna make me like this you know everyone's gonna like me. And everyone, you know, I'm going to get so much pussy and, and, and uh, <laughs> those reasons suck, dude. Those reasons suck. And, and they're, they they're not real either. So it's going to be really disappointing. All right. Last question of the day. Timothy asks, hello, man. Hope you're good. Great episode today. Great episode. One question. Since metformin is impossible to get in Sweden, I don't want to touch insulin. Is berberine any good? And how should you dose use it? Impossible to get any info in Sweden since steroids is more taboo than heroin in Sweden. Thanks for your great work. Yeah, so, uh, you know, the main use of berberine is, uh, you could call that a glucose disposal agent or an insulin sensitizing agent. It increases your sensitivity to insulin, which is one of the uh, uh, mechanisms of action in metformin, but it doesn't increase GLUT4 receptors on cells or um, muscle carbohydrate um, uh, uh, uptake. Uh, so, and I'm not sure if it has the specificity either for muscle cells versus fat cells and insulin increase that metformin does. So, yeah, anyways, uh, berberine is an inferior version of metformin that people, you know, supplement people have talked up because they can't sell prescription drugs metformin, but they can sell berberine. So they leave out stuff and, and tell, you, you know, you know, oh, berberine has been shown to be as effective in studies for, 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 uh, and, and then you're like, for what, for what? And they just say as metformin. Okay. That's for lowering, uh, blood glucose levels. Okay. So that's for diabetes specifically that it's been shown to be about equally as effective as effective. Okay. But not for the effects of what you're looking for in bodybuilding. So the supplement, you know, these scammers, they they leave that out. They leave out bits of important information. So berberine is metformin light and metformin is insulin light, okay? So you're you're talking on that kind of a spectrum. If if I was going to like be trying to you know is it an effective weight loss supplement you know berberine A- absolutely you know that's something that you could use for weight loss that's something that you could use to help you be more sensitive to insulin and um to limit some of the glucose uh absorption that you get um but uh is it is it going to have the effects um that metformin has is it going to be as powerful as metformin like you've been told um no it's it's not Hope you enjoyed the new episode of the podcast for the one hour phone consultations. If you want to get on the phone with me, we can discuss any bodybuilding questions you have training, diet, steroids, help planning your cycles, troubleshooting side effects, help with deciding on dosages and length of cycles, how to do PCT, reviewing and interpreting blood work. Very importantly, how to identify and mitigate your risk factors for health problems down the road that might result from doing what's necessary to do bodybuilding successfully. The phone calls with me are totally judgment-free. If I've talked negatively about any substances or practices in the podcast, you don't have to withhold your use of those or be worried about telling me about your use of them on a phone call. Uh, My sole goal is to help you do what you're doing the best way possible. This is focused on you and what you want, not me. So you can feel completely free to be able to open up and tell me exactly what your concerns are and be a hundred percent comfortable doing that uh, i will do the top of my abilities work with your specific individual situation to help you to have the best information to protect yourself while you do what you feel is necessary to do bodybuilding uh, no matter what level you're at beginner to advanced and the price of the phone call is fifty nine dollars for the hour consultation if you'd like to do that hit me up Steroids podcast at gmail dot com. Steroids at gmail dot com